As uh, he's visited our church many times, he's been our guest bass player. Uh, he loves, he has a passion for the Lord, if you haven't noticed that. He loves to, to dance before the Lord. He loves to play to the Lord. But most of all, he loves to evangelize. He loves to see people come to Jesus, and he loves to speak the truth. And so tonight, we're going to allow David to come and share. So please turn off your cell phones, your media thing pockets in your pockets, these little media things. Pastor will turn his off right now. Come on, let's do it. Not vibrate, please. Silent. Silencio, por favor. Okay? Got it? Everybody got your cell phones off. Because if I hear one go off, I want to be just like that guy in the movie theater. We're going to come and get you. We're going to take you outside into the dumpster. Okay. Y'all ready? Welcome, Brother David Dunlap. Come on, welcome it. <laughs> Right on. I got it. Thank you. We're going to try this, so we'll see. Whew. You know, it's, it's funny whenever uh, you come to places like this, and, and earlier Harold and I were talking a little bit, and he said, David, you know, do you have a bio sheet or something that I can kind of tell these guys a little bit about you who don't know you or whatever? And I said, well, Harold, I said, you could just tell them I'm probably the least impressive guy that you're ever going to meet and on paper in your whole life. Um, I'm not a church rock star. I don't have a big mega ministry or, you know, 50 degrees and have held 10 different titles and whatnot. I said, could it just be that, that, I'm, that I'm just a guy who really, really loves Jesus a lot? And could it be that I'm really only interested in seeing him get really famous everywhere I go? And that's got to be good enough. Um, that, in fact, there's just nothing else. Um, thank you for having me here tonight, uh, Harold, Jeff. Uh, Jay, I think, is out tonight. Um, I've spent a lot of time uh, visiting and praying, uh, discerning with these guys, and I, I need you to know uh, you've got a tremendous ministry staff here at Freedom Fellowship. I bless you and honor you in the name of Jesus. Uh, the Bible calls us to honor, uh, double portion even, uh, to those servants. And, uh, and more than that, even in this moment, I'm going to bless and honor you, uh, those that, that make Freedom Fellowship what it is. If there was a room full of leaders and not that army that we were just singing about. Really, what good is a room full of generals or captains or lieutenants if there aren't any soldiers, <laughs> privates, the guy that's just going to go jump in the trench and get real dirty? I like it dirty. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so glad to be here tonight, man. It's, it's, it is fun to be in a place where you see so many faces that you not just are familiar with, but that you love, that you feel knitted to, man. And, and there's this, our family, as, as you will, uh, here at Freedom, man, we just, we feel so knitted to y'all. And uh, every time we, we get to be a part of what God's doing here, we're so humbled and honored by that. So thank you for opening up your house. And th Harold, thank you for trusting me in the saddle tonight. Um, that's a big deal. It's a big deal, and I don't, I don't take it lightly, okay? So now to you, Father. 
now to you who are able to do abundantly, exceedingly more than anything that I could ever ask or imagine. Mm, according to your power that is at work within me, that is in work within us. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm. To you alone be the glory. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to hearts and minds tonight. Any spirit of fear, any spirit of doubt, any spirit of condemnation that managed to weasel its way into this house tonight, be gone now in the name of Jesus. You have no place here. You are not welcome here. You have no business here. The Lord promised us in his word that those who call his son Lord and Savior possess a power, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control and a sound mind. And that's the, that's the spirit that we call forth tonight. That everything that is spoken from this pulpit tonight, Father, will be the truth, the word of God, sound mind and reasoning, and it will find a place to flourish in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls tonight, that we will walk away different people. We will be brought to that place through the Holy Spirit and the power of conviction, God, that will bring us to that place of repentance, that will change our hearts and change our minds, change our lives so that we have the ability to go out and change the watching, waiting world. We love you, Jesus. So it is in your holy and unmatched name that we pray. Amen. Say amen. amen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Somebody came ready to play tonight. My God. Here we go. Working with a ministry called Media Talk 101. And just so that we get this straight, uh, honor where honor is due and credit where credit is due. Um, this is not my baby. I didn't create this. This was not my vision. It was given to a friend of mine about seven years ago by the name of Philip Telfer. He is the founder, director of Media Talk 101. Um, he's been a good friend of mine for several years and begged me for many of those years to come alongside him and just get this message out. Uh, we resigned our last full-time uh, ministry position at a local church about a year and a half ago, two years ago roughly. Um, I've been doing this full time for about a year now. Uh, the Lord finally just said, you know what, Double D, it's time. You got, to, you got to get out there and do this. It's time to call this monster out for what it is and start getting some people free. So the bottom line is this is exactly what it says it is. Media Talk 101 is teaching media discernment. All I am tonight is a mouthpiece, people, to make Jesus famous and to help you find some freedom from your media choices, whether they're good or bad. Teaching media discernment in the light of following Jesus Christ. Media choices. We're going to ask this question. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, are you living a life of conviction or are you living a life of compromise? What direction are we going? We're going to take a little trip tonight. We're going to be using some road signs to kind of help map out the way, but we're going to take a little journey tonight together. And you might be thinking to yourself right now that the Bible doesn't say anything about the movies I watch in the 21st century, the video games I play or the TV shows that come on or the music that's being downloaded. The Bible doesn't talk about that stuff. And really, the principles and the convictions that should guide our actions are as old as time itself. In Peter's second letter, in the very opening, he writes that it's his divine power that has granted to us everything, that big word, everything, pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So the bottom line is, regardless of what you think the Bible does not say about your media consumption, it would be silly to say that we serve a holy and sovereign God and he made an account for everything that would ever concern us except for media. You ever thought about this? We hold to this book to be it. 
that everything he needed us to know, this side of heaven is going to be found right here. Wow. I think we forget that too often. Let's keep going. So tonight, we're going to take a look at 10 principles and convictions to guide us safely past the spiritual roadblocks of today's entertainment. Got your handout handy? This is where your first space is. That handout is meant for you tonight to bless you and to help keep you kind of on task with the presentation as the slides come. When you see a word that's underlined, chances are there's a word that's blank on your form and you'll just fill it in. These handouts are for you to keep, to take with you, and to keep referring to in the days to come. So tonight we're going to look at these 10 principles of convictions. Before we get into those, though, let's take a look at a couple of terms because this is where the rubber meets the road. If we don't know what we're talking about, then how will we know when we get there? What is a conviction anyway? A conviction is something that you believe so strongly that it will guide your actions even when under pressure. Something that you believe so much it doesn't matter how popular it is, how many box office records it broke in 24 hours. It doesn't matter how many of your friends are talking about it the next day at school or at work. You're going to say, man, this is not with the gospel. This has a spirit of antichrist all over it. I refuse to make agreement with it. Enough said. Let's take a look at this picture in Acts 24. This gives us such a great snapshot of the spiritual climate at the time. And really what's cool about it is that it's not so different today. In the, in the 24th chapter... Paul, I mean, Paul writes, or Luke writes, I'm sorry. Now as he, Paul, reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. This is crazy. I want you to take a look at two things. Number one is the way that it says Paul dealt with the governor Felix. It says that he reasoned with the man. He didn't roll up into his court with an Isaiah scroll and start clubbing him over the head trying to get him saved. He didn't start browbeating him and making him feel guilty about all the things he's doing wrong. It says he reasoned with the man. And that's what we want to do tonight using the word of God. We want to reason through what it means to be a follower of Christ and how that is or is not affecting our media consumption. It says that he talked to him about righteousness. He reasoned with him about righteousness. What does it mean to be made right with God? How does that happen? That once that does happen, he talked to him about self-control, to be of a sound mind. That it says once you've got the power of the Holy Spirit living up inside you, you've got the ability to be of a sound mind, to make wise choices, discerning choices. And then he said the last thing he says he talked to him about was the judgment to come. That one way or the other, Every living, breathing soul that's ever walked the earth is going to stand and give an account one day before God and give that account for how he spent this precious thing we call life, our time, this precious commodity that we get ample amounts of every single day and don't make near the most of. But then let's take a look at Felix's response. It says he was afraid. It's like Felix is this guy, this little kid with his thumb in his mouth, and he pulls him and puts him in his fingers, and he says, la, 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 I'm not listening to this. I'm, I, I can't hear this right now because you're hitting me right where I live, and you're making me feel all kinds of bad, and just go away for now because I really don't want to hear this. Aren't we the same way? We get that directive from the Lord. We hear that, that still, small voice, and we just drown it out. Get them earbuds in because, man, you're messing with me. You're messing with where I live right now, and this is making me uncomfortable. Go away for now. I'll call you when I have a convenient time. And the sad part is, is that this is not a convenient message, and this is not a convenient time. It's not a convenient message for me. It's not a convenient message for you. We've been too careless and passive about our media discernment, and consequently, we live in a culture 
that lives out of convenient, tolerated sets of beliefs as the consequence. Whatever's good for you, do it. Where is the standard? Where's the, where's the voice that says, this is where the line's been drawn, the standard's been raised, we go to it. We hold to it. And we hold other people up to it. Let's go to what is compromise. This is huge. A compromise is to undermine or devalue somebody or something by making concessions. Sitting down at the enemy's table and saying, wow, what part will I take in today? To expose somebody or something to danger or disgrace. Things that we know in our hearts are harmful, and yet we'll take them in anyway. Here's the big one. Something accepted rather than wanted. Those things that we tolerate. As a body of believers, we tolerate. We tolerate them in our homes. We tolerate them in our schools. We tolerate them in our workplaces. We even tolerate them in our churches. And everything that we tolerate will dominate. Get that in your minds. So we go to principle conviction number one. The goal is a growing relationship with Jesus, not legalistic rules. I want to make sure we get this down pat before we go any further tonight. I did not come in here tonight to bring you the latest, greatest, updated, thou shalt not list. That is not what this is about. This is about your heart and your mind being free to serve joyfully the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How is your media consumption affecting that? Is it contributing to it or is it stealing from it? Period. Let me tell you what, when I was a teenager, man, I had a youth pastor tell me that if I listened to Led Zeppelin that I was going to hell. Well, guess what, man? File that one under heresy. It's a lie. It's not biblical. It's untrue. And it hurt me. It didn't help me. What would have been reasonable? What would have been reasonable was for this youth pastor to say, hey, you know what, Double D? You listen to this stuff, man, and it's going to start depositing some images and some thoughts into your mind. And as your mind begins to filter those things, they're going to go into your soul, into your heart. And they're going to try to find a place to take root. And when they do, they're going to begin to steal you from you and rob you of the things that I have promised you. They're not going to build you up. They're going to tear you down. I need you to be effective for me, David. Hear the voice of the Lord. And you're not effective when you're compromised. It's a simple spiritual law. A simple spiritual principle. The concept of reaping and sowing. We will get more into this as we go. But get this. This is not some legalistic religious message tonight. This is about where your heart and your minds are for Jesus Christ as it pertains to your media choices. It is that simple. So let's take a look at this verse. This is the core verse for Media Talk 101. We built, Philip built this ministry around this verse. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Check this out, man. I mean, let's just cap this right quick, make the point. If I was going to run a race, like we're saying here, let us run the race with endurance. If I was going to run a race, particularly a sprint, would I need a rule to tell me that I don't need to run that race carrying a backpack full of cinder blocks? It doesn't require a rule. It requires discernment. It requires wisdom. Okay? Let's, I want you to catch the difference right now before we go further because this is such a big deal. The Bible calls us to, to be wise, calls us to be discerning. So he's telling us to run the, endurance, run the race with endurance that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
So what's the problem? The problem is that today's entertainment has become a weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, what we'll go to and kind of break this into two parts is looking at things that are a weight. I love the way that the author of Hebrews kind of separates these two issues because not everything that we consume media-wise is necessarily something we would call evil or unholy. It's just wasteful. It's a weight. It's a burden. It's an unhealthy preoccupation at best. You follow me? But then we do have to go to this other side of the conversation, and it's a hard one. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a real deficiency in the body of Christ where people have stopped embracing the supernatural courage to just stand up and say, you know what, this is evil. It's wrong. And if you are a follower of Christ, you don't got any business taking part in it. Paul would walk in and he would say, you know what, what witchery has overtaken you? He actually said that to one of the bodies of believers in the New Testament. What witchery has overtaken you guys? Have you lost your minds? Jesus would walk on the scene and he'd say, man, I walked into a village full of demoniacs based on our media consumption. So we've got to talk about this. Today's entertainment has become a weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Before we get into any further of this, let me tell you another thing while this is so big. Is that in 6,000 years of history, we are walking right now through unprecedented territory. Two reasons. Is that it took about 6,000 years to come up with the technology that we recognize as media. But it's taken less than 100 for us to devolve to this point where the valve is now wide open. Not only is there nothing sacred anymore, but there's nothing off limits. There's nothing taboo. What do you do with that? I mean, you're looking at a generation, a younger generation, these students, if you will, that are the first generation to come through that history timeline to be born into a culture that is completely saturated. This is what they know. This is the world they, walked, they, they were birthed into. Born with a baby bottle in one hand and a cell phone in the other. Born, got a G.I. Joe or a Barbie doll and got them a gaming control, a gaming control in the other one. You know, my generation and, and those beyond me, man, we're not off limits, man. We've adapted quite nicely. Didn't start with me. And I didn't get born into it, but man, I've adapted pretty nicely over the years. I mean, I remember what my life looked like before the internet. I remember what my life looked like before cell phones. But man, I I can sure make good use of them, can I? We've got to take this serious. Before we go any further, let's take a little quiz. Ah, Everybody likes quizzes, don't they? Come on now. Let's test your knowledge. What was the year of the first color TV broadcast in the United States? 1954. (laughs) Whoa, y'all are going to get messed up on this. What was the name of the first home video game console in 1972? The Magnavox Odyssey. Ooh, take a look at this bad boy. Want your friends to come over and check out your big fat gaming system? Boy, look at that. My, how far we've come. Woo-wee. Number three, man, what new product hit the market in 1976? The Apple One personal computer. Check this little tidbit out. Yeah, ain't she pretty? Little different than what I'm working off of up here, right? Check out the price that Steve Jobs uh, tagged on this thing. You know, it's interesting to me because uh, he was pretty outspoken about his, his stance on faith and that being so flippant towards our God as to stick that kind of number on there. I'd really like to know what Steve Jobs is thinking about that right now. Number four is what year was the World Wide Web introduced? 
1989. It was a government project. Go figure. <laughs> How many videos are watched every day on YouTube? Boy, you better hang on. Two billion every day. Check this out. 24 hours worth of new videos are being added every minute. We're talking about time here, right? Oh, good use of our time. All right. Let's, I mean, just keep, let's keep our perspective as we go. How much did a 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl cost in 2010? $3 million. Hold on. $3 million. Are you kidding me? For 30 seconds. So when somebody tells me that these things don't have an effect, why do you think somebody would have the audacity to spend 30 million, I mean, $3 million, what did I say? $3 million for 30 seconds of airtime if they didn't think it was worth something, that they could talk you into getting something. Man, and we take it. There we go. What was the highest grossing video game of all time in the first 24 hours? Grand Theft Auto 4 beat out Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2. These actually records have actually been broken twice in the last three months, I believe. Our new numbers haven't come in yet That's to make them hard copy. I mean, these are the ones you can go verify online. We're still waiting for the stuff that we draw off of to put them on our slides. But this is the, I mean, this record's been broken twice in the last three months. Um, but it's, those two beat out Halo 3 at $310 million over at a previous $170 million. The movie The Dark Knight set a record of $155 million in the first 24 hours at the box office. The book Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows sold $220 million worth of hardbacks in one day. Let me ask you a question, very pointed and very direct. If we were sowing this kind of cash into the kingdom, uh, you know, you want to make a statement to Hollywood, man, make it at the box office. You want to make a statement to the, to the, to the media that's sucking away at your faith, man, go make your statement at Hastings. Man, I mean, you know, man, come on. Come on. <laughs> By number eight, the average age of a person who plays video games is what? Y'all ain't even going to get this. It's 35 years old. I'll let you think about that one and get back to me. Number nine, what year did the first DVD hit the market in the U.S.? 1997, the good old CD, which is finally going to the land of the eight tracks. It came out in 82. What percentage of children ages 8 to 16 have viewed pornography online? Most of them while innocently doing schoolwork. My, how far we've come. Let me tell you something, church. I've been doing this ministry full-time for a year. This right here is epidemic. Epidemic. I don't do this at public schools. I don't do this in public venues. I'm saying this is epidemic in the body of Christ. There is a generation of young men and women. You think about that one for a little bit and you'll figure it out too. A young generation of men and women that are slaves I mean, are we raising up Proverbs 31 women? I mean, what are you going to tell a young man about being a godly husband and a godly father when his expectations are completely perverted? And I'll say this too. 
I don't know what you worship by where you go to church. That doesn't tell me one thing about you. I know what you worship by how you spend your time. One days of a calendar year in front of the boob tube. One month on average. Conviction number two, garbage in equals garbage out. Know this is a statement that you guys have heard before. Probably just heard it enough times, just like we've heard several memory verses in our Bible enough times that they just kind of roll off us when we hear them. Garbage in equals garbage out, and it's just a, it's a simple fact. It's the reaping and sowing thing that we talked about. Let's take a look at what the Word of God says. Take a look at this picture first, man. Anybody want to take a big heaping handful of that and shove that into your mouth and chew on it for a little bit? Yeah, very pretty. Galatians 6, 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There is a very real manifestation, a very real practical principle that says whatever you put in here is going to come out here. It goes in here, filters down to here, and comes back out here, comes back out here. It's a simple, simple concept, and it's one that we don't take near seriously enough. I mean, in the days that my family and I have gotten a hold of this message and begun to take some very practical, reasonable, and empowering steps towards that kind of freedom, 
it's amazing how many other areas of our lives have come into alignment. It has literally revolutionized my walk with Jesus Christ, and I am raising up godly daughters. There is a reason that they don't cuss. It's because they don't hear cuss words. They don't hear them in music. They don't hear them in movies or TV shows. They don't play video games. I mean, I can go down the list. I know my kids are not perfect. I'm not perfect. My wife's not perfect, man. But we are holding up a standard and saying, what does holiness look like in the 21st century? And everything that you put into here is going to come back out. Plain and simple. Take a look at this verse, man. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? I want you to think about something for a minute, because this is one of those verses that we really don't get. So many of us, as far as followers of Christ, Gentiles, if you will, we don't really get what we've been grafted into in terms of our Jewish culture, Jewish heritage. And for that reason, when somebody like Paul makes a statement like this to a group of Christian Jews, they're going, to them, the temple was, was it. I mean, it was the epicenter, you know, it, the, the total expression. I mean, the very presence of God and the Holy of Holies, man, this was it for them. And for Paul to come on the scene and say, don't you know that this right here is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Man, he's living inside you. He's no longer in that room. He's right here. And that would have resonated to a deep place with them. And it gets lost on us. And the thing I'm trying to get across to you right now is that every time, every time you listen to one of those songs or watch those movies that have that vile language, you're letting somebody come into your, into your temple with a can of spray paint and start spray painting those words all over the walls. I don't think any of you would think too kindly of me if I grabbed about five or six handfuls of this trash bags of it and just started scattering it all over this sanctuary this is our house of worship right i'd get run out of here on the rails man and i should be but the point i'm making to you is that when we engage in that garbage media that's exactly what we do we litter that temple up we litter it up and then we wonder why we struggle the way we do with bad attitudes and foul language why our relationships suffer the way they do man Principle conviction number three, take every thought captive. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is one of the most powerful statements in all of Paul's ministry. I've, I've, it, when I've read this in this context... Thinking about the high, the, the high things that exalt themselves against God. Isn't that what Lucifer did? Just said, I, I'm, I'm bigger than this. I'm smarter than this. I'm better than this. Those things that try to come into our lives that say, I'm bigger than your God. I'll bring you more fulfillment than your God. Take every thought into captivity. Media literacy, media discernment, simple definition is understanding that all media has a message and those messages have an impact on our lives. You have got to get to a place tonight, begin this process of resensitizing your heart and your mind and realize that it's not just entertainment. It is not just a song. It is not just a TV show. It's not just a video game or a movie. When the fact of the matter is that every song is a sermon, that every movie is a message, every TV is a teacher, every word, a weapon, and a picture is worth a thousand words. Everyone is following someone. And everybody believes something. You will imitate or reflect 
the world that you most feed from. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, your actions, they will all reflect or demonstrate the world that you are the most aware of at all times. It is not an accident or a mystery why Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom of God. Principle conviction number four, we have been desensitized and we need to be resensitized. Let's say you woke up this morning, had a slight tingling in your numbness in your fingertips, may not think a whole lot about it, you slept on it the wrong way, what have you. But by around noon, that numbness has kind of made its way up to your elbow. Well, now you might be getting a little concerned. You go to your doctor, you go to your nurse practitioner, you go to your school nurse, whatever. You say, hey, man, doc, check this out. You know, I got this issue going on. And he's going to begin to do some little tests on you. He's going to pinch you. He's going to say, hey, homeboy, hey, Charles, did you feel that? He said, no, I don't feel that. Hey, uh, Charles, does that bother you right there? No, doc, that don't bother me. Well, what about right in here, Charles? Does, does that affect you? I mean, you feeling that? No, doc, I'm not feeling that. Do you think in that moment that doctor's going to get really excited and, and call in the orderlies and the nurses and other doctors and say, hey, look, man, we found the latest X-Men mutant superhero. His superpower is that he's immune from pain. He doesn't feel pain. That's his power. He's not going to get excited, y'all. He's going to get super concerned, and he's going to begin to explain to you that your body has a central nervous system. And part of its responsibility to you is to produce pain. It sends that signal that says when you have set yourself in a place of harm or danger, it sends that signal that says if you go any further, you're going you're to subject yourself to further harm and further pain. Likewise, God has given us that spiritual nervous system called our conscience. It's that still small voice. It's that internal red flag that pops up that says, hey, hey, child, one more click and you're going to end up somewhere that you do not belong. Please don't, please don't put that disc in that DVD player. If you do, the way you feel right now is only going to get worse. And too often, we go ahead and click, we push play, and we say, but it doesn't affect me. I'm going to tell you right now, You saying that watching certain kinds of movies, listening to certain kinds of music, playing those kinds of video games, whatever your trip is, to say that it doesn't bother you, that's not a badge of courage or a badge of honor that we should wear proudly. When I hear that said by anybody, that's a screaming red flag that just says your heart doesn't break for the things that break God's heart. The things that make him laugh don't make you laugh. The things that make him cry don't make you cry. The Word of God says this, solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Over and over and over and over in the process of what we call discipleship, the Word of God uses these words, training and practice. Over and over and over. The process of following Christ is waking up today and making a choice, saying, I'm going to choose to love, choose to forgive, choose to serve Choose to sacrifice. Choose to be holy today before God and before a watching, waiting world. I will not compromise anymore. Isaiah goes a little bit further with this thought. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. What does it say about a body of people, a holy nation, That when we come into the house and we sing, break my heart for what breaks yours, that that's just not a truthful statement. 
I want my heart to break for the things that break his. Principle conviction number five. God wants our minds to be transformed. Yes, yes, yes. A sign of the times then, a sign of the times now is what Paul speaks in Romans 1. He says, for although they knew God, get this, I go to church. In fact, I I go to youth group on Wednesday nights. I go to church on Sunday morning. I know who God is. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. That means useless. And their foolish hearts darkened. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. He goes on a little bit later in Romans 12. He writes, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's the thing. It's not about keeping some law, keeping some rule. We have been given this amazing gift of grace. There is a grace that went before us. There is a grace that walks with us. There is a grace that's already run ahead of us and is waiting for us to get there to that marker. Okay, you get this. But in this same book, Paul says, what do we do? Go on living as if we can have it both ways just so grace can do its job? I mean, I I want us to be so careful here because I did come in and Harold and I have talked about this, man, many, 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 many hours. And I love you, man, because you keep me sharp. You keep me asking questions, man. You keep me going back to that word and saying, man, did did he just say that was true? Is that true what he just said to me? You know, I'm gonna go find out. And I hope you're doing the same. But my point is this, man, is that I came out of this generation, as probably a lot of you did, where it was a lot of hellfire and brimstone and thou shalt not. And everything you do or don't do is going to have some kind of eternal consequence attached to it. It's like, well, we got through that somehow, but it swung, the pendulum swung all the way back over to the other side. And just said, let's just grace everything. We don't want anybody to feel bad and we don't want to be politically incorrect and we don't want to judge anybody. But at the same time, we just lined people up at the altar and left them stranded. They said a prayer that they didn't really understand and they've been left holding a book that they don't know how to read. I'm not here to question salvation. That is not the point. I mean, my man Charles and I just had this conversation. Praise God, man, you helped me with another, you know, just that, get into that next place. It is that simple. Praise God. He meant it to be. But man, when you said yes, when you, when you had that massive love encounter and you said yes, he's going, come on, let's go. We've got stuff to do. And I need you. (laughs) Not only do I need you, I want you. I chose you. What a privilege. What an honor. And in the process, man, we get dumbed down and desensitized and we settle for so much less. God help us, man. He wants our minds to be transformed. Check this out. I mean, we're talking about basically the way you look at the world when you wake up every day. It's called a worldview. And you got two, I call them goggles. You got your Jesus goggles and you got your me goggles. And you're going to decide tomorrow when you wake up, because you put them on this morning, at least one of those two pairs, you put one of them on. And tomorrow you'll get to choose which set you're going to pick up again. He wants you to have a biblical worldview. It's the lens that you look through that says, am I looking at the world I walk around in through the eyes of Jesus Christ? Or am I looking at them based on my own ideas of what justice is? My own ideas about what fair is. 
or my own ideas about what forgiveness is or what is conditional or unconditional. And who's tell, who, 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 by the way, is teaching me what those things mean? What if, it's just a, it's just a thought, what if you begin to treat your Bible like you do your cell phone? Oh, oh, what if we carried it with us everywhere? The only, the only piece of armor that Paul describes that's used for offense, and we, most of us can't even find ours, and if we do find it, it's got an inch of dust on it. I keep this sucker right here in its sheath, sword of the spirit, boy. You got a problem? Let's work it out. Oh, you don't know who you are? Well, let's just take a look and see who you are. Got you. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight, fool, because I got mine. Ooh, or I got that backwards. Don't bring a gun to a knife fight, sword fight, because I got mine. Did I say that wrong? I did, didn't I? I blew that. <laughs> and it was a cool line, too, man. <laughs> Check out this, man. What if we turn back to go get it if we forgot it? Any of you cats gotten halfway to school, halfway to work, and realized you left your phone on the charger or sitting on your vanity and you went into panic mode because you were going to miss the next tweet from somebody that you cared about or thought was important? My God. Man, come on now. What if we checked it for messages throughout the day? We just seen a statistic that said that the average, we said teenager, but this is just people, average is 3,000 a month texts. That's an average of 100 a day. Do you flip that thing open to get a word from the Lord a hundred times a day? I mean, I, I mean I'm, let's just play tit for tat. I mean, you know, I, you know, it doesn't even have to be all or nothing. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you, give the, if you give your cell phone an hour, do you give the word an hour? That's pretty practical, isn't it? Okay. Well, what if we used it in case of an emergency? I mean, I get in a bind. Is that my first impulse is to go to the word? Or do I get on Facebook and put a status update telling everybody how burned up I am about or panicking about what I'm going to do because it's my, you know, it just hit the fan at my house. Uh, you know, <laughs> what if we spend an hour or more using it each day? I think I just said this. I mean, man, let's look at the benefits. I mean, this is a free unlimited usage plan. I mean, I wish my cell phone bill was like that. No roaming charges, no weak signals. And I ain't never disconnected by my provider. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, give him a hand clap of praise. He's a pretty doggone good provider, isn't he? My goodness. Did you know that the average reader can read the entire Bible out loud in about 70 hours? 70 hours. It's less than a weekend if you just read it straight through. If you don't believe me, go to the Family Christian and go find the audio Bibles and see how long it took somebody to just record the Bible for you to listen to. It's about 70, 72 hours. We encourage you to take the Media Talk 101 challenge just to read the entire Bible in 101 days. Now, give me some grace. We, it's a play on the name of the ministry, obviously. We could have picked 110 days or we could have picked 90 days. But, you know, Media Talk 101, let's read the Bible in 101 days. Okay, it's cool. But you can, and it's, and it's achievable. 45 minutes a day, reading it out loud. 45 minutes a day. You tell me that you don't have time to read your Bible, and yet based on some of the numbers we looked at, I'm not going to call you a liar. I'm just going to say that you've made an inaccurate statement, okay? <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> Check this out. Go on our website, mediatalk101.org. It's on your handout. You can refer to it. 
um, we've got some uh, free resources there. You can download a sheet that just gives you some accountability. You can check them days off, man. This is the easiest thing to do in the world. And let me, let me just say this right quick while we're on this. I mean, I'm camp here for just a minute because this is the thing that, that, that gets me. It's a tragedy that it took 41 years of my life on earth before I read the Bible front to back. That's tragic. I mean, John writes in his account of the gospel, at the very end, he says, if I was to write down everything that I saw Jesus do or heard him say, not all the volumes in the world could contain it. I've been in some pretty big libraries. I mean, get your head around that picture for a minute, what that looks like. If I wrote down everything that Jesus said or did, all the volumes in the world couldn't contain it. And yet, there's this book, 66 books and letters, 40 different authors, written over 1,500 years. God, in his holiness and in his sovereignty, he said, this side of heaven, this is all I need you to know. Did you know that I read the Left Behind series twice before I ever read the Bible once? That I've read the Lord of the Rings trilogy at least, at least 12 times. Before I read this once, I am part of the most illiterate, biblically illiterate generation to come through history. I want to see that change. I want it. I want to change. I want my children to grow up to defy that. Because I've been a student minister for the last 10 years in some shape or form, and they can't tell you the basic constructs of Bible stories. Most of them can't tell you what they believe or why they believe it. Why would this mean anything to them then? And this is life. I mean, John says the word that was with God, the word was. And I, I, want, I want to see the Holy Spirit increase our passions for the word because it's continuing to fall into obscurity. And all of these other teachers are raising the standards by which we're taking our cues. I mean, when somebody tells you something that, that, that sends that little red flag up, you need to go to this. Just like I said I do with Harold, man. Go to the Word and test that stuff is what Paul says. See if it stands up. See if somebody's asking you to buy a lie. We need to talk about compatibility while we're on this topic. Because here's, the, here's, the, here's where the rubber meets the road, man. You know, back in the day when computers and, and the whole software revolution came about, there was a real concern, depending on what operating system you were running, meant you could only run or not run certain programs or software packages. Now, as that technology has continued to refine itself, it's still an issue, but not so much as it used to be. Well, we suffer from that in, in, in Christianity as well, or in, in being followers of Christ. We call it compartmentalized Christianity. I mean, if you look over here to the far side, you know, we've got my television, we've got an icon for my video games, and for my movies, and for my phone, and for my music, and for my internet, because it's my time after all, right? Oh yeah, and we've got this little folder that we conveniently tucked in there called My Jesus. That somewhere along the way, whether it was on a Sunday morning or at a church camp when you was a teenager or some gospel revival meeting, whatever, that you had an encounter with this cat named Jesus. Somebody introduced you to this guy named Jesus. You had a real love encounter and it rocked you. 
it broke you. And you said, man, I want that. And then somewhere along the way, you just said, I think I'll tuck that into this folder over here and try to make it fit alongside all this other stuff that I'm doing. When the truth is that Christianity is not about adding Jesus to your life. It's about Jesus replacing your operating system. Here's one of those verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, have you heard this a million times? Anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. Well, catch a new twist on this thing. Catch it now. When you had that love encounter with Jesus, basically what he did was take that old corrupted hard drive and he ripped it out of you and he chunked it in the dumpster and he installed into you a brand new hard drive. Clean, pretty. No dirt, no scratches, no nastiness, just clean, covered. Maybe had a red tint to it. And he had this expectation that when you got home from church camp, that you weren't going to run to the nearest dumpster trying to find that old corrupted hard drive and fishing it out to try to reinstall it again. He said, you're a new creation. And that one that I threw away, he's, he's gone. We want him to stay gone. I want you to live. Behold, that's, that's what I do best. I make all things new. All things new. Jesus said it this way. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But for whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is one of those statements. Jesus made a lot of statements that just jacked me up. I, I just take everything that I think and they go, you know, and, and just flip me upside down. I mean, it's one thing for Jesus to say, if you're going to follow me, you've got to love me more than, than these. I say, okay, I can do that. He says, okay, David, but if you're going to follow me, you've got to love me more than you love your mom and your dad, and your sister, and your brother, and your BFF, and your homeboy. Lord, I, I think I can do that. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to love me more than you love your own life. And there are days when I can't do that. There is a watching, waiting world that says, what does it look like? If there is such a thing as a follower of Christ in our world today, show me what he looks like. It's not that I'm not willing to believe, but I need some proof. And we are the living proof. He must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Let me say this the most blunt way that I possibly can, is that Jesus does not need you to go to his Facebook page and like it. He's not looking for a fan base. He is looking for followers. He is looking for that army that we sang about tonight. Principle conviction number six. The battle is not against Hollywood. Ooh, this is a big one. Like I said earlier, it's not about picking on these guys and I'm not picking on you. Ain't nothing to do with that, man. The fact of the matter is, Hollywood, the gaming industry, whatever, NBC, they're going to continue to pump it out, man, because people consume it. Just like they pump higher levels of nicotine into cigarettes, they're going to keep pumping the violence, keep pumping the sex, because it sells, man. And the more our tolerance level goes up for it, the more they increase it. It's a sick trap. 
and we just buy it. But the battle's not against them. Let's take a look at what the Word of God says. This is what's really going on. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Even while you are asleep, there is a war that is raging for control of heart, mind, body, and soul, and it never stops raging. You get to decide which camp you're going to live in, and you get to decide which army you're going to serve, because Jesus said it this way as well. You don't get to have it both ways. You're either going to love one and hate the other, but you can't serve two masters. You figure it out. And you make your choice today. The bottom line is right now is that we cannot afford to be ignorant of the spiritual war and the tactics and weapons of the enemy. It would be stupid for me to stand up here and say that all media is bad, okay? That's retarded. That's just a dumb statement. I mean, that'd be like me coming up here and, 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 and having some concerns about our, our, uh, our president or the current administration and you hearing me actually say that democracy is bad, you know, or that I begin to ex- explain my concerns about some diet matters, dietary matters, and you hear me in translation saying, well, he's saying food is bad. That's not the point. In fact, I'll ask you this. How different would Paul's ministry have been here on the earth if he had had, had access to the Internet? I mean, we'd be foolish not to take advantage of the, of the, of the resources to advance the gospel. I mean, we live, I mean, man, we ought to, by all rights, we ought to be just tearing it up right now. I mean, we got more power. I mean, not, I mean, well, Holy Ghost power, but I'm talking like, I mean, we got more at our disposal, at our fingertips to push it out there, to advance it, to correct it, to debate it, stay in, you know, and yet we go, you know, hey, you know, the new latest, greatest version of whatever gaming station just came out. Let's all line up at Hastings at, at midnight and let's get our copy, you know, I mean, Man, check this, what he says, man, what Peter says. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Firm in your faith. Think about this guy that will never have your best interest at heart. Think about this guy that does not care one thing about you personally. The only thing he's concerned with is stealing from what belongs to God. What a punk. And James says it this way. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, I've heard this, this verse taught my whole life, except for the about 10 years that I was in between faith chapters and living like hell. And I've never heard anybody say, submit therefore to God. All, my whole life I heard, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist, oh, well, you're going through this? Well, just resist the devil, he'll flee from you. It's like, well, man, if you ain't submitted to God, good luck with that. I mean, basically what you've reduced it to is, is your own willpower your own resolve to kind of walk this walk and you're going to do it on your own strength? Well, ask any recovering addict how well that works. I mean, I I couldn't get three months straight on my own steam. But I'm going on 10 years, man, with Jesus Christ. Let's say, yeah! Come on now! But it had nothing to do with me. It It was being submitted saying, I can't do this. I can't live this life that you've called me to live unless I'm submitted to you. And it affects every area of our lives. So get this, before you can resist, you must first submit. Take a look at this picture, because the enemy intends to keep this generation that you're part of captive. We live in a media-saturated society 
the screen time for the average American child is over 53 hours a week. The digital age has swept into young adults' lives like a tidal wave. Media has taken my generation captive. Media was very big in helping me to escape the realities of my life. I was captivated by television. It dictated what I was going to do and when I was going to do it. It's a bigger addiction than drugs a lot of times. There is a great need for concern. Have we entered a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Pretty much my life like consisted of media in some way, shape, or form. I just got so sucked up in it, it, it just kind of took over part of my life. Is our social experience richer and deeper, or more shallow and artificial? I was on Facebook every day, all day long. We stand a chance of roboticizing relationships. The trivia of youth are amplified by these digital tools. Men are trying to escape into the world of games. We've arranged the culture to trick their brains into thinking that they've done something when in fact they haven't. You can't think, I'll watch and I'll listen, but I won't do. Is there hope of finding freedom? I found that there's more freedom like without media, in all honesty. When I was able to let go, there was such incredible freedom. This world would be a completely different place if we weren't all glued to a screen. There's a need to break free from these chains that bind us. When you unplug, all of these things that are part of God's design for us begin to be restored. My man Philip Telfer took his entire year of 2011 off from speaking schedules and went out and shot and produced this documentary called Captivated. Um, we just released it. The ministry just released it about two months ago. I've got some copies of this thing available for you tonight. Man, it is something you need to see. It is a feature-length documentary. It is, is as good as far as production-wise, as good as anything out there. Content-wise, man, it will bring you to your knees, man. It is so good. I am so proud of him and just know God's going to use this, this documentary to get him a lot of glory and help get some people set free. Take a look at what Paul says in Colossians in response to what we just heard there. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. See to it. He says, man, do something about it. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive. Hollow and deceptive philosophies. Think about that Led Zeppelin thing. Just what, there, what goes in there that's just deceiving us. And let me ask you this question while we're on this subject of warfare. Is what do you defend? I mean, how many times in one day do you hear the name of the Lord blasphemed or profaned and you don't even flinch? Whew. Got real quiet. I mean, if I was to pick somebody at random and slap your Facebook page up here and we went to your interest page and up here at Religious Views, it might say something like Christian or follower of the way or something like that. And then right down below that, we're going to see the movies and the music and the TV shows. And there's a real good possibility that a significant percentage of those interests will be in direct conflict with that profession of being a Christian. And this is what you're basically telling the world. This is who I am. This is what I represent. This is what I defend. This is what's okay. And those things that are in direct conflict with one another. What do you defend? Principle conviction number seven, beware of the counterfeit life. Jesus said another thing. Boy, this is a hard one. 
He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Man, this is hard. Because, let's use this illustration. And you guys, some of you may have heard this. In the U.S. Treasury, these guys that work with counterfeit money in our Treasury Department, they don't spend one minute of their time, their energy, their devotion looking at counterfeit currency. They spend all of their time, all of their energy, and all of their devotion studying real currency. And they know that currency so well, so intimately, that when a counterfeit produces itself, they identify it immediately and can deal with it. Likewise, all the enemy can do is take what God has created, manipulate it, distort it, pervert it. We need to be, just like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that we know him so well. We are so intimate with him that anything that steps into his path and says he's going to produce to you or give you more life than what he can offer you, you identify it that quickly and tell it where to go. First John says it this way, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. There's that word again, practice. So whether it's sexual immorality of all kinds, whether it's violence and entertainment, did you know that 89% of the top-selling video games in today's market contain graphic, violent content? I mean, the fact that, that video games have a rating system, that ought to tell you something. Uh, hello, you know, come on. What if it's something as seemingly harmless as greed and discontentment, rebellion, family conflict? We traded our senses of humor for sarcasm and for ridicule. What about hopelessness and despair? Depression. What about drugs and alcohol? What about witchcraft? I mean, is it really witchcraft if we dress him up in a little schoolboy uniform and, and little spectacles? That's, that's, that's cute, right? That's not really witchcraft, right? Well, go see what the Bible says about witchcraft. Not one good thing. And you know what's cool? Is that in the book of Acts, there's this little moment where this cat named Simon the sorcerer, the Bible says he made a ton of money, man, doing his thing. And when he came up on Peter and got in contact with the real deal, the Holy Ghost, it says that Simon's like, hey, man, uh, can I get that? Can I buy that from you? Like, that's all that Satan can do is, is try to give you something that is completely inferior, a counterfeit to the real deal. Doesn't matter what it is. And yet all these teachers, all these messengers through our media, that's what they're trying to get us to do. Settle for less. I mean, does anybody want to live life to the fullest? Pretty picture, because there's the alternative. Media often portrays deceptive messages about what it means to live life to its fullest. Jesus said it this way, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Well, let me tell you something about this thief. He doesn't have to break in if your door is left unlocked and standing wide open. What about the enemy you invite in? What about the thief that you just say, hey, you know what? We're going to go to bed. Come into my house and have your way. Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he said, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self and lovers of money. They will be boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, 
irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, which is religion, by the way, avoid such men as these. One translation actually says, have nothing to do with them. And so let me ask you this. If you use this as your discerning stick, the measuring stick, and said, does the TV show that I'm fixing to watch, the movie that I'm fixing to watch, the music that I'm currently listening to, is it producing some of this right here? What's the message? What is it that they're trying to tell you? Principle conviction number eight. This is where we're going to turn our corner. There is power in unplugging. The challenge is very simple, a media fast. Anybody in this room, I mean, just raise your hand right quick if you don't know what fasting is, because I'm, I'm always amazed who, how many people don't. Very simple deal. It is that intentional staying away from something that gives us some sense of physical gratification or satisfaction that we set it aside for a period of time in order to achieve a spiritual goal, to get closer to God in some way. This is a big deal. When somebody says it doesn't affect me, my first question is, how do you know? Have you spent any amount of time away from any of it long enough to be able to accurately answer that question? Because I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to call you a liar, man. I'm not here to bust your chops. <laughs> but man, I mean, I'm living proof. I'll put my testimony up against that question any day of the week about what the difference is, what it's made in my life. So that's what we say. Look at this picture. I mean, here's a great illustration. I mean, what's conspicuously absent from that skyline? Stars. Well, did they go out? I mean, did they fall from the sky? Why can't we see them? Because they're being blocked out by that artificial light, the unnatural light of the city. Well, just the same in our spiritual life, it's that unnatural artificial light of toxic media that blocks out the natural light of God. But when we take a step back, we unplug for a period of time. It's amazing what we can see all of a sudden. It is not an accident. It is not a mystery that Jesus would say, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Man, I'm going to tell you this. You set some time apart, unplug for a while, not only are you going to be able to hear his voice, you're going to be able to hear his heart. Man, you're going to be able to hear his heart. You know, it's interesting to me that especially, like, like I said, being in student ministry, you know, we'd go to camp every summer, you know, and right around Thursday night, like clockwork, set your watch by it, man, there's going to be 300, 400 kids just get jacked up on Jesus. And I'm saying praise God, okay, up front before I say anything else, because I know it's legit. I know it's real. I mean, I know sleep deprivation and high sugar intake has something to do with it, but, but also... Here's the reality, is that for a week, they've been completely disconnected from video games, TVs, music, movies, cell phones, you name it. 
They're not hearing anything during that week that they don't hear all year long preached from their pulpits on Sunday mornings or in their youth groups on Wednesday nights. But when they find themselves in a setting where nothing of those preoccupations and unhealthy addictions are trying to tear them at the edges and fray the edges around them, that word's going into that deep reservoir and it's resonating. And so by Thursday, they're like, Jesus! And they mean it. They're like, I never knew I could feel this good. And then the tragedy is that we go home and we turn that TV back on, pop them earbuds back in, and we just go back to business as usual. And really, this whole compartmentalized thing where we kind of depend on our Sunday mornings and our Wednesday nights to kind of do us up for the, you know, I can't get through these next three days unless I go get my worship on. It's like, well, I'm glad it's about you. I'm glad we're still talking about you. (laughs) Because isn't that what this ultimately feeds? This whole me addiction, the whole media thing. It's just, what's the motto of YouTube? Broadcast yourself. Doing what? Making macaroni and cheese? I'm like, come on, man. (laughs) Principle conviction number nine. Clean house. Boy, this is the big one. This is the big one. This would be like me. Let's just put it this way, man. Bottom line, you need to rid your life of toxic media. Me asking you to fast from certain forms of media that are vile, unholy, vulgar, That'd be like me asking you to fast off rat poison. You know, it'd be a good idea if you took a break from rat poison for a few weeks and and just get your system detoxed. You know, I never went to it. I've never heard a doctor say, you know, son, that tumor you've got growing in your gut, I think we can manage that. I think that's going to be okay. You, sir, you have an acceptable level of toxicity in your body. You're going to be okay. We'll just get you on a vitamin regimen and you'll be fine. Man, if you went to the doctor and that was the diagnosis, he'd say, man, we've got to get you back in here as quickly as we can, and we've got to remove this as fast as we can. We, if it was a tumor, he would say, I'm going to do everything within my power to cut this thing out of your life. And just like that principle applies to this conversation tonight, you need to go home, and you need to look at your DVD catalog. You need to look at your iTunes library. You need to look at your DVR and all those TV shows that you've logged up waiting to watch at some point because you don't want to miss anything. Turn the cell phone off for a few hours. I mean, let me ask it to you this way. If Jesus Christ walked up to your front door tomorrow and said, I need to borrow your room for a couple of days, man, would you slam that door in his face and book it to that bedroom and... You'd be chunking stuff under the bed and out the window, and you'd be flushing some junk down the toilet. You'd be clearing that internet history for like three years. You know, you <laughs> sometimes spiritual growth requires desperate measures. We sing the songs, don't we? I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. My question to you tonight is how desperate are you? Jesus says it this way, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you. It's better for you to enter life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Again, how desperate are you? Do I think Jesus is being literal in this statement? No, I don't. 
because I don't think it serves a lot of practical value from that point forward to walk around with no eyes. But I do believe that Jesus is trying to indicate to us just how serious he is about those things that are evil. Why is it that when we're children, we sing the songs in Sunday school? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Why do we ever stop singing that song? He's wanting to know, are you willing to get your eyes off of internet pornography and get them onto me? He wants to know, will you get your eyes off of Facebook and get them into my book? Principle conviction number 10, the gift. If you are going the wrong direction, then change direction. <laughs> I just hear this. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, my God. If you're going the wrong direction, change directions. One of the main themes of Jesus' preaching ministry was repentance. And this isn't just that sick, legalistic, stupid thing where you feel bad once you realize you've been doing something wrong or you got caught with your hand in a cookie jar and you feel bad and, oh, woe is me, shame and guilt and condemnation are mine. This is my lot. No! If you're feeling that weight of conviction right now from the Holy Spirit, man, then let that thing do its good work because it is the godly sorrow of these things that need to change that will lead us to the point that we will change. And there's nothing wrong with that. When Paul says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if that's the voice you're hearing now, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I want, to, I want you to get this. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In 1 John, this is one of those just nugget. This, I mean, you ought to have this verse memorized. Every single person. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, there's not a greater proposition in the entire world. Because this is the difference between that thing and this thing that just says, I'm not waiting to catch you with your hand in the cookie jar. I'm actually holding out a plate of cookies and I'm saying, come, come. Because he says, Wes, I love you. And he says, when I see you, Wes, my word tells you that I have you right here and I love you. And when I see you, when I see your precious wife, I see you as holy. I see you as righteous. I see you as mine. You belong to me. I paid for you. You are mine. The thing that burns me are those things that try to threaten to steal you away from me. The things that my anger burns at are those things that rip and tear at the edges of your faith and convince you that I'm not enough when I am more than enough that my grace is sufficient for everything that you will ever care about. 
Everything that will ever concern you, everything that you ever struggle with, everything that you ever fail or succeed with, my grace is sufficient for all of those things. Jesus said it this way, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Does anybody believe that? Because Jesus also said it this way, I'm telling you the truth. He said it just a couple of breaths later. He said, I'm telling you the truth is that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And the sickest part of the slavery that we've been talking about tonight is that we don't even get to see those chains. You've got a generation of young men who could profess to follow Christ and they are shackled by pornography, period. You've got a generation of people who would profess to be followers of the way and they drive a bloodlust multiple hours a day killing God's creation through video technology. Call it what it is. Bloodlust. But Jesus, in the same breath, says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Is there anybody in this room tonight besides me that wants some freedom? Come on. Get them hands up and gasp for freedom. I didn't come here tonight to pump resource. I've told Harold and Jeff this a couple of times. I think the church has been resourced to death. Um, this, this is, like I said, this is not about promoting anything. This isn't about getting paid. But I do believe the products that I bring with me to these events, the reason I bring them is because I believe this is a conversation that needs to keep happening after tonight. Whether you choose to do it as an individual do it as a family, whether you choose to do it as a class or a small group, whatever, however the Lord leads you. I've got a DVD documentary that every one of you needs to see. I've got a workbook that follows what we just, these, this presentation, these principles and convictions. It just takes them into a deeper conversation. It just expands the conversation. I've got a book called What Wouldn't Jesus Do that was written by Philip Telfer. It was actually the thing that kind of launched the ministry was this book that he wrote back in 2005 based on that whole what would Jesus do. Well, the reasoning is if there's things he would do, there's some things he wouldn't do. And it's, I mean, and the cool thing about all this, please believe me, I'm not pumping resource. The thing about it is that every bit of it's consistent and it's very concise. This isn't like volume one of 20. It's the book, the workbook. It's all consistent. Everything you heard tonight, you'll go through in this in just a greater detail. Please come to this table and take some stuff with you tonight. This is a conversation that needs to keep happening. Last thing we're going to do together. God, y'all have been a fantastic audience. Thank y'all so much. Just so gracious, man. So gracious. So patient. I told Jeff earlier, man, Double D's like a quarter horse in the gate, man. You let him run, and he's just going to run. He's going to run until he's just out of gas. He... My Lord, man, y'all just help me. Oh, my Lord. Okay, I gave you on the handouts. You had a little a card inserted in there. If, uh, if you are interested in receiving our monthly newsletter by email, it's free. Please put that information in the blocks and check off down at the bottom that you do want to receive that. I'd love to have some information of how to get in touch with you um, if you're comfortable with that. Um, at the very least, please give us a first name and an age. Um, kind of helps us with some demographics and how we effectively minister in the future. Um, and then here's the big part, is on the other side of this card. We're going to take just a couple of minutes, and this is your opportunity to, to, to respond. 
on the back of this card for the next few minutes. I just want you to do some business with the Lord. Write down a prayer request, particularly as it pertains to what you've heard tonight. I mean, if you do have some other needs, concerns, family members, illnesses, financial, whatever, man, we will pray for whatever. But I do want you to spend some time thinking about what you've heard tonight and make a prayer request in that form.